Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey, Life Church, this is your evangelist, Alan Griffin. Thank you, Pastor Sean and Pastor Sonny Hennessy for allowing me to serve you. This is going to be a great, great time. Now, I want you to join me in the Word of God, but don't forget this. Don't forget, during this time where we're at our homes and in many different places, we are typing in, we are logging in to these great online services. Don't forget your opportunity to invest. That's right. Don't miss your opportunity to give. Let me tell you why. Just this week, I was able to minister to some people and they said to me, listen, we haven't been going to church, but we've been sending in our tithe and God has blessed us like crazy. Man, it's so stuck in my spirit flying here that I had to remind you that God wants to bless your socks, shoes. He wants to bless your dog. He wants to bless your cat. He wants to bless everything. And when we are careful to invest in the kingdom of God, God promises this. He's going to bless you beyond measure. And I want to teach today about one of the blessings that comes when we are faithful to do what God directs us to do. Check this out. We're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 8, verse 40, starting, and we're going to go all the way to verse 48. Why don't you turn there with me? Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his own daughter and a girl of about 12 was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You know, I love this story. I love that Jesus was so amazing that people were running up to him and jumping on him and crushing around him. In fact, it reminds me of when I was a young man. I used to think that Jesus was a superhero. But when I read this story at nine years old for the first time, I was like, man, Jesus, you're a rock star. I mean, people are crushing to get to you. Reminds me of a concert that I didn't get to go to because I was only seven. But in 1979, when Kiss came to Cobo Hall in Detroit, everybody went crazy. In fact, I remember my dad showing me in the newspaper as a little kid that there was grandmas in the crowd at the Kiss concert that got trampled and hurt because they were at the doors and people crushed them. Let me ask you a question real quick. What 
are some grandmamas doing at a Kiss Rock concert? You know what? Them some cool grandmamas. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I thought, wow, Jesus is a, he, he's a rock star because people are crushing to get around him. But it was my dad, my first pastor, who said to me, Alan, if these people knew who Jesus truly was, they wouldn't have been crushing each other. In fact, no one would have been hurt because they would have realized that Jesus isn't a fly-by-night or he is not a momentary leader. He's not a, a, a depreciating commodity. Jesus is power. Jesus is love. And Jesus is forever. What does that mean to us? It means simply this. Your relationship with Jesus does not weaken him. Your desires and your needs from Jesus do not take away from his vast resource. In fact, he says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be opened. That means this. We can ask anything. We can trust him with everything and we can seek him with any problem, situation or thing we're facing and he will stand with us. This woman was willing to walk through a crowd, push through a crowd, crawl even through a crowd to reach out and touch Jesus' clothing. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm afraid that we live in a society that has lost touch. We've lost touch. We've gotten to a point where we don't want people touching us. Not just in COVID, I'm talking about in reality, let me show you that that's not a temporary thing. In fact, that's a historic problem, the problem of touch. Matthew chapter 19, why don't you go there right now? Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. You know, it's interesting that our society has this fear of touching. Oh, bad touching. Don't touch. No touchy. I don't like to be touched. And it's so strange because humans need touch. In fact, we require touch. There's a great sociological study done in 1981 and during this uh, powerful study, they discovered that babies require touch, not just a small amount of touch. In fact, they uh, interviewed the parents, especially the fathers, and they said this, how much time do you spend hugging and kissing your baby? It's interesting to note that the fathers always underestimated the time that they spent hugging and kissing their babies when they gave the numbers, and the mothers overestimated the time that they spent hugging and kissing their babies. In other words, the moms were saying, I, I, that's my job, I'm supposed to hug and kiss the baby. And the dad was saying, well, I'm no softy, but they are, we all are. What they determined through the study is that the children that received 40 to 50 minutes of touch every hour preceded over a 30 year study to be 60% more successful in life by business, education, and finance. That just touch transformed their future. Now, why are we so strange about touch? 
Why is it so weird? Why do we get nervous when people talking about touching other people? I think somehow we've allowed negative connotations to investigate, or I should say instigate or get into our lives. And we've started to speak negative things about touch. I'll never forget one of the times when uh, I was in Hong Kong, China. In fact, my wife and I, as well as your pastors, the Hennessy, served for nearly six years in Hong Kong as missions uh, uh, ministers. And it was so much fun. I wish I could tell you more details, but I don't want anyone uh, to hear this overseas and not allow us back. We did a lot of great things uh, for the kingdom of God. But every time I went to a restaurant, a mall, a food court. I would sit down in a seat, sometimes by myself, and the room might be empty. But the next guest who came in, they would come and sit right next to me. I'll never forget the first time I was like, what is this guy doing sitting right next? What? And he doesn't speak a lot of English. And so I'm just looking at him like, what? There's empty seats everywhere. Why is he sitting right next to me? What is this about? I have this personal space thing going on, right? And I'm like, don't break my personal space. I asked the missionary director why people would sit next to me every time I went into a a public space. And they said this, this is an honor culture. And in our culture, if you sit alone, The people that come in the door look at you and they go, well, first of all, I don't want that person to sit alone. So I'm going to sit by them so they're not alone. And the second reason is in this culture, they don't want to waste empty seats. There could be a family of four that needs to sit in that seat over there. So they're going to come and sit right by you as to not waste any space. I think we have a lot to learn from our sisters and our brothers in the East. The culture of touch is historic. In fact, it's biblical. In fact, it's godly. Jesus told his disciples, do not hinder the children. Now, why would that matter so much? Why would the disciples try to push children away from Jesus? Well, it's very similar to today. As you and I might know, there is a pandemic taking place. And many times we think that, you know, this is issues that these are problems. These are situations that no one else throughout time has dealt with. Oh, yes, they did. In fact, during Christ's time, the people would live an average of 45 to 48 years of age because of sickness that would hit their bodies at, as they grew older and they would pass away. And so Jesus, as a 33, 32, however age he was above 30, he was considered a senior in his day. And so these little children, what we might imagine were be playing in the streets, dirty, filthy, full of germs, are coming up to Jesus and touching Jesus, noses running, man, dirt all over them. And the disciples go, "Uh uh-uh, dirty baby, get away from Jesus, dirty baby, get away from Jesus. And Jesus says, no, because even sickness needs to be endured for the sake of touch. Alan, are you saying that I'm supposed to touch people with COVID-19? You're missing the point. The point is this. Touch is godly. Touch is important. And whatever we have to do to make sure that people in our world receive the touch of kindness and love and generosity, 
We must. We must do it. Let me, let me take you on a journey here. In this scripture, the disciples are learning of Jesus and he tells them who they are. And this also helps us understand what touch is all about in scripture. In John chapter 15, verse 14, here's what we read. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You know, I was reading the life cycle of the, the rabbi in scripture and studying how that applies to this scripture, how it applies to the woman who's had the subject to bleeding and touched Jesus' garment, and it all came together. And I wanna help you understand that depth right now. Every rabbi begins their ministry at the age of 30, but it's a process to get there. From zero to six years of age, every young man is given freedom to play at home. These are the children that came to Jesus when he reached out and touched them. They're literally free from sunup to sundown, run around, play, have a great childhood. But from six to 10 years old, there begins a process called Beth Safer. Beth Safer is a time where these children are educated by the rabbis. During their time as in education, they are to memorize the first few books, the 10 books of the Bible, as they learn these scriptures, the, the Pentateuch, as they go into the Decalogue and they start to study, they grow in their knowledge of the word. They're able to then ask questions and find out what's going on in scripture to learn more. From 10 to 14 years of age, they go through a, a time uh, that's a training of the prophets. So now they're studying the teaching of the prophets. And this training is called Beth Talmud. And the Talmudic teachings uh, of historical times were the, the theology of the prophets, if you will. After this time, at 14 years of age till 30 years of age, it's called Beth Miresh. Beth Miresh means the period of suffering. And during this time, these young men would select a rabbi to teach them and they would choose then to be their servant or their slave. And they would do whatever that rabbi wanted them to do so that they could earn the right to themselves become a rabbi at 30 years of age and assemble their own disciples. Interesting. The disciple chose the rabbi. The rabbi, almost disinterested, accepts their invitation. Jesus was, the, was different. Jesus selected his disciples. Jesus chose them. They didn't choose him first. He chose them just like Jesus chose us. The Bible says before the foundations of the world were laid, God chose us to be sons and daughters of God. And then Jesus changed everything. Remember, this is about touch. He changed everything. He said this, you are not my slaves. You are my friends. That is not something rabbi said to their students. The disciples were more than willing and more than happy just to be a follower of Jesus. But he said, no, you're my friends. But wait, there's more. They're not just friends. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. Watch this. 
While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside. His mother and brothers wanted to speak with him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak with you. He replied to this man, who is my mother and my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus didn't just call them his followers like the crowd. He didn't just call them his slaves or his servants. He didn't just call them his friends. The progression brought them all the way to being Jesus family. Say that word, family. That's how we understand the value of touch. Fathers and mothers, when we physically love and touch our children, they grow stronger, better. But when we love our brothers and sisters in this world as family, what happens then? Jesus shows it. He's walking through a crowd. There's people crushing all around him and someone touches him. That someone, after she touches him, the Bible says, is so afraid that she's trembling in fear. Can you imagine being so afraid you're trembling? I know when you get close to like a Halloween time and, and someone jumps out and scares you, you might shake and tremble. Can you imagine being so afraid of Jesus that you're trembling in fear? I have spent lots of time in the presence of God and I've never before trembled in fear. Why was this woman so afraid? What made her so afraid that she touched Jesus and was now being exposed? Why was she so scared? I'll explain. A few months ago, almost a year now, I was at a graduation at Xavier University of Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana. And at that graduation, I noticed something very distinctive. As each graduate walked across the stage, the president would shake their hand and give them a diploma. Shake their hand and give them their diploma. You know how it works. It kind of, the arms kind of cross like this. Shake their hands, give them the diploma. And, and it was very cool. It's so smooth how he does it. And there was about a thousand graduates there. And I noticed that there's a few people that when they came up, especially women wearing traditional garb, when he would greet them, he would not touch them. He would simply hand them their diploma and bow slightly to them. And then they would keep going. And immediately when I saw that scene, this scripture came to life. And thus today I'm teaching this story. You see, those women coming across the stage at Xavier University of New Orleans, Louisiana, were observing a, a historic literally hundreds and thousands of year old tradition, a religious rite called Shomer Nagia. Shomer Nagia. Shomer Nagia is a simple rule that it, it, it translated, it means with regards to touch. And in Shomer Nagia, a woman who is either in her monthly cycle or a woman who is un, un, uh, uh, ceremonially and socially unclean is not to be touched physically by any man outside of her household. And so if you meet a person who's a practicing Orthodox Hasidic uh, Jewish uh, woman and you meet them, they could be practicing Shomer Nagia. Often today you'll see uh, these women um, wearing gloves or you'll meet them and they'll say, I'm sorry, I cannot touch you. I am Nagia. 
And what we are supposed to do is greet our brothers and sisters of the Jewish tradition, our sisters, and say, are you Nagia? And if they say yes, we are not to extend our hand to shake their hand. They're observing uh, their faith in, a, in an orthodox manner. And it is a good thing. It's a holy thing. Well, Jesus, when he's walking and this woman reaches out and touches him, and she touches the hem, the, the seat zit of his telio, the, the, the small tassel on his prayer shawl. When she reaches out and touches that, she is ceremonially and socially unclean because of her bleeding condition. And she is Shomer Nagia. And so when she reaches out and touches Jesus, guess what? She's broken the law. And because of the mob rule and the honor dishonor culture, historically in the first century, these people in the crowd were immediately going to attack her if they saw that she had touched the Messiah. They would have attacked her. In fact, they would have more than likely taken her to a cliff, put her at the bottom of the cliff, gone to the top with rocks and dropped them upon her until she was gone. So trembling with fear, she came to Jesus trembling because she knew that what she had done was, was had broken the law. What she had done was not acceptable. What she had done was sinful in the eyes of that community. And Jesus set her free with one word. And today, y'all, I want to set you free with one word. Can you hang with me for just a moment? One word. Jesus looks at this woman. People are riled up. She has just told them, I'm Shomer Nagia, but I reached out and touched the, the prayer shawl of Jesus. And when I touched the prayer shawl of Jesus, I was healed. These people, they don't care about her healing. They want justice and they're willing to kill her to get it. But Jesus, oh man, but Jesus looks down upon her, trembling with fear she is. And he says a magical, supernatural, transformative word. What is that word? Look in your scripture, maybe you'll see it. Jesus looks at her and for the first time in scripture says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Why is that important? I told you before, Jesus didn't let his disciples remain followers. He didn't let them remain servants. He didn't let them remain friends. He said, you are my family. In the kingdom that he's established, we are not friends. We are not just neighbors. We are not simply followers of Jesus together. No, y'all, we are family. We sing about it. We are family. I got all my brothers and sisters with me. We're family. We're family. Say it out loud. We are family. What does that mean? In Shomer Nagia, the only person, male, who can touch an infirmed person of the opposite sex is their father. Jesus confirmed his kingdom in this healing that his kingdom is not of this world, that we may not have been physically born to one another, but because of Jesus, we are born again to each other as family. Boy, that fixes a lot of problems, doesn't it? In fact, it fixes how we touch. See, we're not just supposed to say kind words to each other. We're supposed to love each other enough 
to touch. I know that this pandemic has harmed a lot of our touch, but you need to know that God wants us to reach out and touch each other in supernatural ways. Do you know that we can bless and encourage each other without physical touch until the day that we can physically touch? Do you know that? How do we do it? You see, in Jewish homes, every week there's blessing. And you have the power to use your words, not just any words, not just kind words, but use blessing words to transform people's lives. What if every time you meet someone, even with your mask on, you called them your brother, your sister, your father, your mother? What if you, like Paul told Timothy, treated the elders in your church like fathers and mothers grateful to you and you treated little young children and young people as little children, little sisters, little brothers? What if we did that? How would our society change? How would we view each other in and out of pandemic? We would stop being so afraid of our neighbor, stop seeing, being so angry at those who make mistakes, and we would start to treat them with kindness and go one step beyond and treat them with blessing. This is how you bless someone. You tell them one thing about their character that you're grateful for, one thing about the past you've seen them do that was powerful, and in the future, how by God's grace and mercy, they're gonna do even greater things. When you speak life like that, you are touching humanity. The little children came to Jesus for blessing. The woman with the issue of blood came to Jesus for healing. And I'm telling you, church, our society is looking for Jesus' people that will be kind with their words and their deeds, will be a blessing with their words and their deeds. We will be healing with our words and with our deeds. And as soon as we can physically touch each other, we give our community a hug because, oh boy, do they need it. Maybe I'm preaching and talking to you right now and you, you need a hug. You need a spiritual encounter, a moment where you receive the love of God right now. If you're here and you're thinking, Alan, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I wanna start my Jesus journey. I want Jesus Christ to be my very best friend. I want him in my life right now. If that's you, when I count to three, I just want you to nod your head right where you are. As you're tuned in, as you're tapped in, as you're typed in, as you're plugged in. Ready? One, two, three. Nod your head. Yeah. I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'd love to pray for you right now. Will you pray with me? Take your right hand, put it over your heart, and say this prayer with me. Say it out loud. Jesus. That's good. Say this. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I need your forgiveness to take away all my sins and failures. I want your life to touch my life forever. Amen. Amen. If you meant that prayer, your journey with Jesus has begun. This is one of the greatest days you'll ever experience. A day where you are not just a follower. You are not just a, 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 a servant. You're not just a friend. You're family. You're my family. You're God's family. You are blessed. And I bless you in all that you do. 
Moms and dads, touch the faces, the cheeks. Hug your kids. Hug them. Brothers and sisters, stop fighting. Start loving. Community, treat everyone you meet as if they were your brother or your sister. Isn't that an amazing way how we can fix the problems our societies are seeing with racism and violence and, and, and all kinds of uh, uh, man classism and oh man, you know how we fix it? Family. One word will change the world. Jesus, because he calls us family. Thanks for letting me spend time with you today. I sure love you. God bless you. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.